Hello, and welcome to Lit Service, where we're fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. I'm Aaliyah, and my favorite dessert is gummy worms. Does that count? Is it really? dessert? I love gummy worms. If you eat enough gummy worms, it can be a dessert, and it can be dinner, and it can be lunch and also breakfast. It can also be like IBS. (laughs) (laughs) All of the above. I'm Caitlin, and my favorite dessert... I don't have favorite anythings, but I think my favorite dessert right now is an Oreo milkshake. Mm, That seems nice and summery. Delicious. I'm Kristen, and my favorite dessert is anything that is dark chocolate and baked. So brownies, cookies, cupcakes, cakes. I don't care. I want gooey chocolate. How do you feel about double chocolate things like chocolate? Two thumbs up. Yep. Amazing. There's no such thing as too much chocolate. So today we are talking how to write a killer ending. And dessert comes into it because the ending is not the meal and it's not the cherry on top. It's the whole honkin' cake. (laughs) So how do you write a killer ending? What makes something at the end satisfying for readers? So in in terms of like climax and resolution as as a functioning like final third of a book, I would say that we talk a lot about like the promises that you make as an author at the start of the book, the sort of things that you say you're going to deliver on, whether directly or indirectly. And I think hitting those promises is and, and like fulfilling them is probably the most important thing to a satisfying ending. I definitely agree. I think a good ending is almost uh, a large percentage of a good ending is sold in the first two thirds of the book. Because you know what to expect, you get the first half of the promises that then ideally you're seeing fulfilled in the end of the book. Right. And I feel like in order for readers to really feel the scope of the story you're telling, and I'm talking about the kinds of stories that I write, though I think that there's application in probably just about every genre, where you um, you need to make good on those stakes and finding out if your characters really think it's worth it their motivations are worth those stakes, like putting them up against the thing they were most frightened of happening or the thing that, uh, like, that bad thing has to happen. Like, I just finished reading a book where um, the character has this magical power and she's terrified of people finding out she has it because it makes her feel monstrous and she ends up having to use it on somebody who means a whole lot to her. And so, like, that fear of being rejected and, you know, all of that, it had to come to a head where she had to be like, is is it important enough, the thing that I want is it important enough to alienate this person I that really matters to me? And I feel like that's true um, for whatever you have set up. Like if you have a character who is willing to give up all of their friends to build a cool golden castle, like you have to give them the opportunity to actually do that and find out if that's really what they're willing to give up. Or they need to experience the effects of actually giving it up. They need to see what that actually feels like. Um, I think if you pull your punches with your characters, then readers can feel it. They can feel that the story is not as strong as it could be or it's not. I don't know. Like I, um, Another one I was thinking of was Divergent, which is by Veronica Roth. If you haven't read it yet, it's like, what, 20 years old now? I don't know. Or even like Twilight. Both of them have similar like... I have to go against the person. Well, I guess it's not really the same thing. Let's do Twilight. Everybody knows Twilight. We have uh, the main character who, in the end, has to face all of the scariness that's been around her the whole time. And, like, the real stakes are on Edward because Bella's kind of an empty character. (laughs) But Edward has to find out 
whether or not he can resist the the attractions of Bella's wonderful Thanksgiving dinner blood or cocaine blood or whatever it is that he calls it's it. It's heroin. I cannot believe she is his own personal brand of heroin. You are missing out on the Twilight Renaissance and doing it dirty. <laughs> I just I just think that if it's smelling, why not Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> I think that pacing is also an important part of an ending. It's okay to sum up in a lot of places in a story, you know, skating over boring things, skating over scenes that aren't as important as the one you show. But for an ending, readers love to be zoomed in and up close experiencing with the character. That can make a very satisfying ending as well. Something else I really like, if you've ever seen um, Dan Wells's six-point plot structure, seven-point seven point plot structure, <laughs> something that he talks about is, um, so it's a little bit different than other plot structures where you have like a hook and then there's like a twist and the, the, there's different stages. And he talks about how the most effective climax is going to have you put like each individual plot thread's climax happening at the same or at like odds with each other so that all the different plot threads complicate each other so that all of the things come to a head at once so you have your emotional plot your like action plot your siblings are fighting plot and have them all like making each other more complicated in in the in the climax so we've talked about foreshadowing and having these plot lines come to a conclusion that feels natural for the audience what about unexpected twists? Do those really have a place in an end? And how can you build them in a way that once they're revealed, they really weren't unexpected at all? So I don't know about unexpected twists exactly, but I, my brain is going straight to where it always goes these days, which is the Locked Tomb series, because the ending of every single one of those books is so bizarre. And, <laughs> and with the like understanding that another book is coming in like a year you end up with this chapter that is just full of random characters you don't know in a weird style <laughs> that's not at all jiving with the rest of the book and you just sit there w for a chapter going like i'm sorry who what where are we how do we skip stuff i'm really lost and i think that sort of ending isn't for everybody like i can definitely see how that alienates readers under like certain circumstances but i will say that there's absolutely a place for endings that are just whack because um especially in this context where each book is functioning as like a tiny portion of a of one big book that's how i think of it anyway it's introducing new ideas for the next book and um i think that if your weirdness or unexpectedness is introducing something new that will be important in future installments that is a great way to use your weirdness that's a weird sentence, but I stand by it. Yeah, well, there's a difference between ending a book in a series and ending an entire story. And that's, that's so something true. that is really fun for me anyway, because I feel like in the last quarter of the book or the last third of the book is when you start asking those new questions. So I'm not quite Tam's and Mirror, and I, I don't just throw it all into the last chapter because she's her own beast and people love her for what she does. But um I love starting to open those doors and to have people start asking questions. And then if you throw in a bunch of twists that resolve issues that were happening in the book that you just finished writing, you set it up for a bunch of new twists in the next one. So, like, you should be asking as many questions. Not, like, opening it all the way, but um, 
like asking like so you you want a resolved ending where all of the main plot lines of the book that you were writing feel ended but then you have enough new open ones because ending the other plot lines asks new questions that you can start on your next book so making new promises yeah I, I also just want to put a plug in for twists in standalones. Like I know The Thief mm-hmm. isn't actually a standalone, but for many years of my life, it functioned as a standalone until I realized it was a series and it worked. Um, so I think if your twist is answering a question that was in the book all along, even if the readers didn't realize to, that they should be asking it, I think that works really well. Like if on a reread, you go back and you realize like, oh, Maybe I should have been wondering about these pieces that didn't add up or wondering about them in a different way. Then I think that is also a great way to introduce a twist near the end of your book. Well, you have more than one kind of reader. You have readers who are happy going page by page and then you have readers who are looking for it. And you have to be able to fool both of them. (laughs) But you also have to be able to satisfy the ones that are looking for it so that they don't figure it out, but they believe it. As a reader who goes page by page and never really thinks too hard, I am so easy to please. It's wonderful. I'm one of those readers too, honest. <laughs> what would we say once the exciting part of the ending, the big flash and bang is over, how much denouement is too much and how much is too little? I think it really varies from project to project. Like um, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now trying to like get any inspiration for this, but like, I really love the book Jellicoe Road, which I, I, I know, I think Aaliyah didn't love it quite as much, but the the resolution there is like a sort of quiet, soft landing, and I think that works for some books, and other books you need something that goes on a little bit longer and gives a little bit more time, like a little bit more detail, I guess, and so I I really think it depends on the overall pacing of your book you want it to sort of match what you've been doing up till that point um but you also want it to match the tone of your book so if there was a lot of emotional trauma in your book you sort of need to process that by the end and if your book was like oh girl with dragon then maybe you fix that you have a really small short little wrap-up about like oh she's happy with her dragons you know it not all books are created equal I think that should go right next to my my Golden Castle book. <laughs> the girl with her dragons. She gave up all her friends and now she's in the castle. <laughs> Caitlin, what is the point of this episode? The point of this episode is that your ending should um should fulfill the promises that you've made. It should bring all of the pieces together that readers have been wondering about. That um Endings that are not endings for an entire story should finish the story they are telling, but then open questions for a new one for the next book. And that, um, we didn't say this, but when in doubt, just do awesome. Do something extra awesome. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) If you enjoyed today's show, remember to follow and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform and tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at litservicepodcast at gmail.com or learn more on our site at litservicepodcast.wixsite.com slash litnation. You can also find special stenciled editions of books from our guests on our store there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.